Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. What could possibly be happening in that jury room? I mean, look, I'm convinced uh, I didn't sit through all the uh, trial, of course, but it seems obvious. Now, I'm hearing rumors, who knows, but are the jurors worried that if they come back with not guilty uh, in the Rittenhouse case that all hell would break loose? I could see them being concerned about that. Uh, oh, we are seeing little bits and pieces of what they're thinking. We get notes from the jury every now, every now and then wanting to look at this piece of evidence or that piece of evidence, but um, still, this is not over. Now, Regarding riots, I have a theory that we're not going to see what we saw last year if Rittenhouse is found not guilty. It'll be much smaller. Yeah, there are going to be some angry people out there, but it won't be on the scale of August of 2020. A couple of things. Number one, it's cold. <laughs> it's cold in Kenosha, Wisconsin right now. Uh, what else? People had a lot of fun rioting and breaking things last summer. Some of them, a lot of them, hopefully got it out of their system. Who knows? And here's a theory of mine. Um, during COVID, so many people, they could not fill their timeline on Facebook or Instagram with images of what they were doing. They were able to do that when they started rioting, taking pictures. Hey, look at us peacefully protesting, whatever. Anyway, I don't anticipate it. I sure hope I'm right. We'll see. We'll see. In the meantime, MSNBC their coverage has been so stilted, and now they are accused of attempting to photograph jurors. That's tantamount to jury tampering, possibly, and MSNBC has been banned from the courtroom. Here's the judge. I have instructed that no one from MSNBC news will be permitted in this building for the duration of this trial. Uh, this is a very serious matter. Wow, that's uh, quite a rebuke and uh, serious misconduct potentially from MSNBC uh, and so much of the mainstream media who have been portraying, quite frankly, anybody who's white as a bad guy. We must not be cowed by the terror unleashed by white men drowning in the deep end of racism, xenophobia and misogyny. Oh, the fragility of white men. It is delicious, is it not? He's the just a white guy. He doesn't matter. <laughs> you don't get to mansplain right now, Mark. <laughs> and I'm the white guy in the panel to say that, so I'll shut up now. We have stood by to see mediocre, mealy-mouthed, uh, snowflake white men who are incapable of taking critique. Hey, I'll take a critique about anything, uh, Professor Eric somebody. Um, sure but not on something I can't control, which is the color of my skin. Nobody likes that, <laughs> no matter what color you are. Um, but the left, they, uh, they think it's open season on white people, that it is okay to be overtly racist as long as your hatred is directed at white folk. Take Joy Reid last night. You heard what she said. We played it on this show. She 
by far is not the only one. No, so many on the left. Saw a very disturbing article in the New York Times by a guy named Charles Blow. This, again, amounts to, in my opinion, overt racism. He's talking about three cases that are dominating the news. We've got Ahmaud Arbery, we've got January 6th, and we've got Rittenhouse. And his story goes like this. White men on trial. All right, white men on trial. All right, so far, let's see. Inside, yeah, it gets creepy and weird. He puts it this way. There is a virtual pageant of privilege as the country waits to see if our system of justice will deal as severely and unsparingly with these men as it has with others who were not white men. It goes on. They involve white vigilantes who stalked and killed a black man and a young man who killed two people at a protest that was in solidarity with Black Lives Matter, a riot. They involve white men who sought to overturn a fair election in which people of color secured a victory for Biden over a white nationalist president and a white man who defied Congress to protect those white nationalists. Wow. It is only because they were born in a country that gives white men passes others don't get that they were able to scoff at the rules without thinking that they would face any repercussions. What a twisted and warped view he has of this country. Um, as a white person, and I can't control that, I'm starting to feel a little bit sensitive though, all right? And um, perhaps Mr. Blow knows how it feels to be singled out about something you can't control, the color of his skin. Right now, white people are being unfairly portrayed. And so, about 10 years ago, we're black people. How come whenever oh, I'm out God. here, though, I turn on the 11 o'clock news and, you know, I hear, you know, tonight in South Central, uh, right. drive-by shooting, or tonight in South Central, um, yeah. just that or whatever. I mean, right. I mean, they're not making that up, are they? No, they're not making it up, but they're choosing what they're covering. Now, the suspect is a black male in his 20s. We are told he has a large Afro sideburns. He was wearing a silver chain at the time. Police say the suspect is a black man, six foot one, 160 to 180 pounds, about 35 years in age. The suspect is a black male, age 16 to 18. The suspect is African-American. Police police. police say the a black man. Local news doesn't talk like that anymore, all right? People were very, very sensitive. So now, what do they do? They talk about white people in the most negative way possible. And why are they doing that? A big chunk of it is for Donald Trump. He was making major inroads in the black community. Black men shift slightly toward Trump in record numbers, polls show. Democrats have been losing black male support since 2008. How do you fight that? Well, how about racializing everything and try to depict um, the Republican Party or Trump supporters as racist? Donald Trump made the case directly, and when he did, it scared a lot of people on the left. Look how much African-American communities have suffered under Democratic control. To those I say the following. What do you have to lose by trying something new like Trump? What do you have to lose? <laughs> it was a great point, and people of color responded. And ever since, it's been white supremacy this, white supremacy that. At 
any moment, any moment, they will try to exploit something and turn it into a moment of white supremacy. Remember earlier this year when those poor people were shot in Atlanta uh, in and near those, uh, those uh, massage facilities? Joe Biden, Kamala Harris to the rescue complaining about white supremacy. Let's see, why did they treat George Floyd as a head of state? His funeral, totally over the top. Why? You think politics may have been at play? Of course they were. Brianna Taylor, again, all in an election year, Brianna Taylor. Um, it was a national event. It was a tragedy to be sure. We still don't know all the facts. Do you sense a trend here? And right now, on 24-7 almost, some of the cable networks are covering the uh, men involved in the, uh, allegedly in the killing of uh, Ahmaud Aubrey. That is the new case du jour. Uh, Rittenhouse is winding down, so they got to get something else spun up. This is uh, one guy shot by a couple of other guys. What happened? A pickup truck was involved. Is this really national news? Why would you make it national news? You know, if people on the right were evil, <laughs> if people on the right wanted to create a divisive country just for the heck of it, they could. They could. Now, they won't, but they could. For instance, there has been some shocking, shocking anti-Asian violence carried out by people of color. You've seen it. I've seen it. You might find it on your cell phone. You might find it, uh, I don't know, in the corner of the internet, but you really won't see it too much on the evening news, depending on the color of the perpetrator. Maybe you saw this, a, um, a famous football player, former football player by the name of uh, Stacy has a dispute with his girlfriend and uh, wow. Now, are you hearing about stories like this? Not really, not really. How about this basketball player who was uh, just shooting hoops with her friends and attacked? Why was she attacked? Did the color of her skin have something to do with it? Maybe, was there a foul or something like that? But watch this. Arguably, these are racial incidents, but they don't dominate the news. They don't dominate MSNBC. They hardly mention them at all. Why is that? Well, because people can't profit from it. The left can't profit from it. What do they profit from? Well, certain kinds of crimes, if police are involved, they can exploit it and they can make money off of it. That's why George Floyd became such a big thing. Look at how Al Sharpton, by the way, went to George Floyd's funeral in a private jet, in a private jet. See, there's a lot of money flowing around. There's, there are votes to be gained and there's money to be made here. See, Black Lives Matter, not really. See, the Black Lives Matter movement is, uh, is interesting. It seems like Black Lives Matter only if the black life is taken by a white cop. If that's not the case, Nobody really cares. Everybody seems to move on. And that's really a shame because black lives do matter. All lives matter. Uh, but they're only concerned about the ones that they can profit from politically and financially. We'll be right back.
Hi, Rob Carson here. If you love watching Newsmax, you're really going to love listening to our new podcast. It's called the Newsmax Daily. I host it, and I give you the best briefing of the big news of the day, top newsmaker interviews, and even, yes, a few laughs. I know it's hard to believe. So if you're uh, driving, walking, exercising, just about anywhere, you can connect with the Newsmax Daily with me, Rob Carson. Find our podcast online or go to iPhone, Spotify, iHeart, Stitcher, and more, and start listening today. All I I can can say say is that that the fake fake news just doesn't get it, do they? The fake news, they never give him any credit. They never gave him a chance when he was president. He's right, right all the time. You know, in the early stages of COVID, he was out there warning that if we shut down this economy, people are going to die, not from COVID, but from drug addiction and suicide. And yes, look at these numbers from the CDC. Between April of last year and April of this year, 100,000 total deaths, 275 deaths a day. We've never seen six figures in a 12-month period. This is a 28.5% increase from the same period a year earlier. And again, President Trump was always concerned about this and made the case. Fake news said, oh, he doesn't know what he's talking about. He absolutely did. So you're going to have tremendous suicides, but you know what you're going to have more than anything else? Drug addiction. You will see drugs being used like nobody's ever used them before. And people are going to be dying all over the place from drug addiction because you would have people that had a wonderful job at a restaurant or even owned a restaurant. I spoke to great people today that have done a great job. And one day, at the top of their business, they're celebrity chefs. They've got the most successful restaurants. And in one day, they have nothing. They've gotten wiped out. You know, they said he, if only he would show empathy. If only he would show empathy. He was the only one talking about that. And he kept talking about it and kept talking about it. Fake news, though. Meanwhile, did they talk about it that much? No. And you know why? So many of them They never missed a paycheck. During all that calamity, they never missed a paycheck. And you can see, for them, the news, day in and day out, today even, it's all a game. It's all a big joke. Even when they say they're talking about serious issues, it's all literally a joke. So last hour, uh, Aline, we were talking off camera about... uh, the ambassadors and the oh. fact that that now we're we don't amb- have any now, now, now our ambassador to China most important ambassador probably on the planet right now so to China. they're talking about a confirmation of an ambassador to China it's a great big fat joke it's all a joke when you got a table full of millionaires they don't care Trump did Isn't that interesting? By the way, uh, they think they're so powerful. They're not content to be observers, to be curious onlookers. No, they want to have a seat at the table, the the table of government, and influence things. Watch. When's the White House going to pick up the phone, call Chuck Schumer and go, hey, Chuck, I I need my ambassador to China. And you need to start this on Monday. Why do they need to call him? Can't he tell? Hey, hey, Chuck. I mean, what's going on? I'm kind of trying to tell Chuck, because Chuck watches the show. Chuck, you can get this done in a week. This, this is right? like the easy just, part. Just, yeah. just do what a Republican would do. Start it Monday morning at 9 a.m. on Monday. Work them through Thanksgiving. 
Ted will get Ted will get the message. Yeah, Joe knows he's a uh, what a two term congressman who retired 20 years ago. Uh, very strange arrangement there. Joe and his sidekick. Wow. All right. It's time to do something the fake news refused to do. Vet Joe Biden. Do you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump and you ain't black? Joe always talked about his dad and kind of what a down on his luck kind of guy he was sometimes. And uh, you could you can never tell when Joe's telling the truth or when he's exaggerating or lying. It's all kind of anyway. Uh, what did his father want more than anything else, Joe Biden? My dad was one of those guys that worked like hell, come home for dinner and then he'd go back to, and finish up work and close the shop. He, uh, and, and, and the whole point of it was that all we want to give, all he'd talk about is the Joey, all I need is just a little breathing room. No, you're tired of hearing me saying, my dad used to always say, and as a middle-class guy, we just need a little breathing room, a little breathing room. Guess what? My dad used to say, everybody's entitled. All we're looking for is just a little breathing room, just a little bit of extra room, a little breathing room. All right. I get it. You know, not struggling to pay the bills and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. All right. Breathing room. Fine, fine, fine. Um, it's a bit of a myth, by the way, <laughs> down on his luck, Joe Biden senior. But the fake news uh, to this day, they buy it. He can talk about it because he's lived it. He understands it better than most people who have been been president over the past 20 years or so. I mean, that's how you ride the wave. I know where you are because I've been there, because my dad's been there, because my mom's been there, because my family's been there. And we're going to get you through it. He does talk about how his father, that's why they moved from Scranton to Delaware, because his father lost his job. Like, he can identify mm -hmm. with people who are going through economic hardships. He's not one of the presidents who has came into office with hundreds of millions of dollars, not to name like perhaps the, his predecessor. So it was approximately 65 years ago when Joe Biden Sr. lost his job. OK, um, Joe Biden has been a rich man for a very, very long time. And even as a kid. He was doing all right. Yep. Take a look at this from the New York Times. Every weekend, somehow, Joe ended up with a car. This is back when he was a kid. It was always a convertible. Besides being very cool and dressing right, showing up in a convertible, he had us all beat eight ways from Sunday. This is from a friend of Joe's back in the day. Also, famous book about presidential politics, uh, Richard Brennan Kramer's uh, What It Takes, Riding around in the Chevy that Joe Sr. gave him for a present, Joe told his pals he always had a new car in high school, brand new Chrysler 300. Whenever he had a date or something, you know, his dad ran the dealership. All right. So once and for all, can we cut the nonsense about Joe Biden and his down on his luck, all that stuff, Scranton Joe? He did just fine. And so did this family. Meanwhile, his vice president, Kamala Harris, made an appearance today on the fake news. It was very strange. They called it an exclusive interview on Good Morning America. Good Morning America. You would tape that interview live, wouldn't you? Live television. For some reason, they did it at like three in the morning. Um, don't really get that. And you can tell if you watch closely, it's edited. All right. Very tightly. And they took chunks out because there's no space between Stephanopoulos' questions and her answers and vice versa. Take a look. 
at least the biggest investment in infrastructure in a generation in America. And some of this stuff you'll see in the next few months, and some of this you're going to see in the next perhaps couple of years. Eight months ago, the president gave you the job of addressing the root causes of migration. You see what I mean? It just like that. So they clean this up for her. I don't know why they would do that. By the way, she made, <clears throat> excuse me, no news. Um, it's all general talking points, uh, kind of stale talking points. Uh, but people have been wondering about her ability and, uh, you know, how close she is with Joe and is she on the outs? She did offer this. You don't feel misused or underused? No, I don't. I am very, very excited about the work that we have accomplished, but I am also absolutely, absolutely clear-eyed that there is a lot more to do and we're going to get it done. All right. The clear-eyed part, the clear-eyed part, I have my doubts about. Hmm? How about you? Good luck, Kamala Harris. I don't know. I don't know. Coming up, what are the Capitol Hill police doing on a retreat riding bikes? They're promoting their fall training while not giving us the information we deserve about the death of Ashley Babbitt and their horrendous failings on January 6th. We'll be right back. This country was made by tax rebels, freedom fighters, gold seekers, believers, lovers, and true patriots. We're Newsmax, and we're their heirs, and so are you. Newsmax TV, real news for real people. That January 6th committee, they say they want answers into January 6th. What happened that day? What led to it? Wouldn't they, of course, want answers into the death of Ashley Babbitt about what happened to her and why these cops walked away so mysteriously and strangely? They're guarding the uh, sacred house chamber. And for some reason, three officers who are not being attacked or anything... They just walk away. You see it right here. There they go. It's a coffee break time. What's going on? And then these guys go crazy. And about 45 seconds later, Ashley Babbitt is killed. So <laughs> I think the Capitol Hill police, they've got a lot of explaining to do, don't you? Uh, they've never publicly handled questions uh, about Ashley Babbitt. But they do promote very silly things. I got this from the Capitol Police this morning. They have a Twitter account. Uh, they purchased a bunch of bicycles, and they're very proud of that. This summer, we purchased dozens of additional mountain bikes to support officers in our Uniformed Services Bureau, Civil Disturbance Unit, and our wellness program, and more. These pictures are from our fall training. I did that literally as a Boy Scout, going through the cones um, for a bicycling merit badge. We want to cut the junk, all right? We want to know about Ashley Babbitt, and they have never publicly taken questions about what happened to her. That's crazy. As a department, they owe us all answers. All right. Also, the shaman, uh, Jacob Chansley, as you know, he was sentenced to uh, 41 months in prison. It uh, reminds me of just how inconsistent our system is, justice, media. You know, Nancy Pelosi's 
son-in-law was with him that day. There he is. Uh, <laughs> that is Nancy Pelosi's son-in-law taking a picture with the famous horns guy. It's definitely him. Dutch American journalist Michael Voss, who is married to House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's daughter, was reporting on the insurrection at the U.S. Capitol on Wednesday. Certain people could be there. Certain people couldn't be there. Certain people who were there, just like he was, are still in jail. How about that? How about that? It's been so inconsistent. You know, Chansley, he spent time in solitary confinement. From Black Lives Matter summer, this guy who tried to kill a man with his foot has already served his time and is out. Watch this. That looks like attempted murder to me. That looks like attempted murder. Again, Jacob Chansley didn't. He didn't break anything and he didn't hurt anybody. How about this from Black Lives Matter summer? When two people in New York City torched a police van with Molotov cocktails. Well, those who did it right now are free. They are free. They happen to be lawyers and they happen to be walking around New York City or wherever they want right now. They're awaiting sentencing. Jacob Chansley, he never, he never got bail. He was just in jail the entire time and will be in jail for a long time and they get to walk around. Um, that doesn't seem right, does it? I don't think so either. All right, stay with us. We're going to meet the man who plays Hunter Biden in a new movie about Hunter Biden, my son, Hunter. Hey, don't worry. They're not fans of Hunter Biden either. This looks pretty good. We'll be right back. These numbers are so grim. Look at this, the worst ever. 100,000 total deaths, 275 deaths a day between April of last year and April of this year. That's a 28.5% increase. We've never had numbers this high. And President Trump warned everybody the fake news never took him seriously, but early in COVID, he said that this very thing could happen. So you're going to have tremendous suicides, but you know what you're going to have more than anything else? Drug addiction. You will see drugs being used like nobody's ever used them before. And people are going to be dying all over the place for, from drug addiction because you would have people that had a wonderful job at a restaurant or even owned a restaurant. I spoke to great people today that have done a great job. And one day, at the top of their business, they're celebrity chefs. They've got the most successful restaurants. And in one day, they have nothing They've gotten wiped out. Empathy. Empathy at the time. The fake news was like, he's saying that without evidence. It's baseless. He was totally right. I'd like to bring in Kevin Sabet. He is the former policy advisor for the White House Office of National Drug Control Policy, also known as the drug czar, and author of Smokescreen, What the Marijuana Industry Doesn't Want You to Know. Uh, Kevin, welcome back to Newsmax. How are you? Hey, Greg. I'm doing well. Thanks. So what do you think of these numbers? Well, they're staggering because, remember, uh, first of all, it's an undercount. So it's probably closer to about 150, could be closer to 200,000. We have terrible data in terms of how we count this, and we're always lagging. So the numbers are could be double. Uh, we're going to see higher numbers next year. And, it, and remember, this is the far end. This is the last resort, death. Imagine the number millions of people who are also addicted, who are not getting the help they need, whose families are affected. This, we have to take this issue much more seriously as a country. 
And do you remember, I specifically remember that chuckling that happened when Donald Trump raised this issue. Mm. And right away, because it came from Trump, oh, it's baseless, oh, it's mm. without evidence. But it was, it was very logical that we might see what we just saw. Well, he was right on this one. I mean, again, I've been critical of President Trump and, you know, I work for both Republicans and Democrats. I think, frankly, President Trump and President Biden need to do and needed to do way more when it came to drugs in this country, drugs and mental health. So both political parties are to blame for what's going on partially. Uh, but that, he was right. I mean, th definitely we've seen an increase uh, due to kind of the situation we're in as a country, which obviously has a lot of factors to it. Um, but we need to see a lot more. Today, the drug czar was sworn in, uh, Dr. Rahul Gu the first medical doctor to be the drug czar. I'm, I'm hopeful, but I really, really hope we're going to have involvement from the president and the whole cabinet and Congress on this issue. We, we, there's a lot more we can do. It's not hopeless. We do know what could work. We have to invest much more in prevention. And, inter and by the way, prevention means underage drinking, alcohol, and absolutely it means marijuana and the vaping issue. We cannot ignore these things. These are the common denominator with these drug deaths. People don't start you know, putting a needle in their arm is the first way that they're ever using drugs. They start with more innocuous, available and um, accessible drugs. Those are, the you know, alcohol, uh, in some cases, tobacco, like vaping and marijuana. We have to get more serious about those drugs as well. We can't forget those. Uh, I absolutely agree with you and you're the expert. I totally agree with you. Unfortunately, the message that we're getting from the culture, from the uh, yeah. some of the political yeah. leaders that we have, yeah. this is the incoming mayor of New York City. His name is Eric Adams. And I was astonished that this happened on a national television show, uh, Colbert, just the other night. Take a look. One of my best gifts, as you know, marijuana is legal. I have raw. I did not know. I have raw. I am not aware, Mr. Mayor. I'm not into that scene. I have bamboo. Oh, you it's know. big. And I can't give you this gift. I'll give it to you later, you know? <laughs> he's, so, he's so tickled yeah. by the moment. You know, here's the thing, and I see now that pot, unfortunately, has been legalized in so many places, it seems like people are really encouraged to do it. Now, drinking is already legal. But that doesn't mean we, we we go get drunk together right away because it's legal. And that seems to be the message with marijuana. Well, in the cities where, in the states where it's legal, we're smelling it secondhand, thirdhand smoke everywhere. Anyone who has a sense of smell in New York City uh, knows that that is the new scent of New York is marijuana smoke. You know, I think the mayor was trying to be cool and be funny. But I mean, first of all, even if you don't think marijuana is a big deal, it just wasn't really that funny. I, I don't so I don't know what was trying to do, trying to sort of look cool. It's really disappointing, actually, because I actually know that Eric Adams used to take this issue a lot more seriously. He was against the legalization of marijuana. I know that uh, for a fact. And yet, you know, now kind of joking about it. Listen, um, today's marijuana is an old Woodstock weed. It's not what Eric and maybe other friends smoked back in college. I don't think he ever used. But if he did, you know, it's highly potent, 99 percent THC. It's causing mental illness. It's causing DUI deaths. Uh, this is not something to joke about anymore, especially on a day where we get statistics like this with these drug deaths. It's just not funny. How are you going to change the narrative? Because people yeah. don't take marijuana seriously. It's seen as harmless and it's seen as recreational and you too should smoke out. It will help you relax, kick back, whatever. Uh, wh how are you gonna turn that around? Because it looks like the train's already left the station. 
Well, look, I mean, the train left the station for cigarettes for so long, right? We were smoking in restaurants, smoking in airplanes. Smoking was the cool thing to do. Even high schools had, you know, areas, smoking patios, right? That wasn't that long ago, maybe 30, 40 years ago. So we know that things can change even when they look so much the other way. Unfortunately, they're probably going to get worse before they get better. Uh, we're, we may have to have a generation that sort of learns the hard way. We have guinea pigs right now. Kids are guinea pigs in these legal states. They're experiments. And we're going to learn the hard way. But I have no doubt. I don't know how long it'll take. But just like with smoking, I think people, Americans are smart enough. Eventually, they'll say, wait a minute, more drugs are not good for any community. More intoxication, ways to blow your brain up uh, is not going to be helping anybody. Kevin Sabet, former policy advisor at the White House Office of National Drug Control Policy. And let's put that book up. Smokescreen, what the marijuana industry does not want you to know, available wherever books are sold. Kevin Sabet, yeah. we Thanks. thank you. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Take you care. Bet. Take care. Thanks. Bye-bye. Okay, Joe Biden and his son, Hunter. How about Hunter, huh? Wow. We know about the drugs, the shady business deals, the laptop, the laptop. It is a sad story, quite frankly, uh, one that has been covered up by the media. Uh, but as sad as it is, it might make for one hell of a movie. And it's coming. There is a movie in the works called My Son Hunter. And Hunter will be tr portrayed by accomplished British actor Lawrence Fox. And these are some scenes from the movie. It looks like they really paid attention to detail. Lawrence Fox, who plays Hunter, uh, joins us now uh, from Europe. Mr. Fox, welcome to the Newsmax. How are you? I'm good. Thanks very much. A bit tired after a lot of night shoots. But, um, you know, as you can see, it's incredibly hard work doing all of these scenes there. But it's hard work, but someone's got to do it. <laughs> it's hard work, but someone's got to do it. I mean, look, making any movie is hard, of course. Uh, so, Hunter. You studied him. Uh, actors like to figure out the essence of a person they're portraying. Just describe to us your view of Hunter and how you're portraying him. I think he's a, um, you know, I, was, I, I read his book and then I listened to his book as well, which um, was much more revealing for me. I think he's an extremely convincing and very smart guy, actually. Uh, I mean, I totally... I uh, think that he's also very troubled and, 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 and obviously deeply morally corrupt in many ways. But, um, you know, I think the job of an actor <coughs> isn't to judge the... Uh, that's me coughing from having to smoke all the fake crack, by the way, so thanks a lot, everyone. Um, the, the, um, he, the job of the actor isn't to judge the character. The job of the actor is to, is to try and deliver a script truthfully and, be, and, and, and deliver a, a truthful performance without saying him one way or another. But the, my essence of him is slippery as hell and very, very... He's much smarter than people give him credit for. It's the side of his laptop stuff. <laughs> Do me a favor, like the intelligence factor. I know he went to Yale Law School. I mean, I don't think anyone thinks he's necessarily dumb, but he's got issues, the addiction. But but you you've been studying him. Tell me more about his intelligence. Uh, what what alerted you to that? What what is it that tells you that he's uh, highly intelligent? Well, you know, he's he's managed to he managed to make a huge amount of money 
without anybody knowing. You know, he exploited his position and he made a lot of people very, very rich. And you can't you you can't do that if you're stupid. You have to be savvy and streetwise and know when to take an opportunity. And uh, that's what he did. Uh, and that's you know that's what's been revealed. And the film chronicles carefully what he what is what he's done and what's happened. And it's gonna it's interesting. It's gonna be quite a uh, an eye opener for people. I think. Well, sir, you could also just be a criminal and have so much of the system covering for you because they like your father or they lean Democratic. And uh, if you grew up in the swamp, you really can figure out the swamp. So uh, I can't wait to see this film, by the way. And uh, you have Gina Carano, who was canceled from the Star Wars film. Is that Gina? Uh, Gina, good to see you on camera again. Oh, my goodness. I love her. She is the best. Hello. Hello. So, Gina, are you playing... which one of the, uh, are you playing Bo's wife? I mean, who do you, who, who are you in this movie? Well, I guess you're just gonna have to watch it and find out. Come on, give us a hint. Who, who are you, I, or are you gonna play one of the strippers? I mean, what, what do we got? A- any hint oh, whatsoever? I'm gonna play one of the strippers. What could I, uh, I'm gonna play, you're just gonna have to watch it and find out. All right, well, listen, uh, we'd love to watch it. We actually have something of a trailer. It's not quite, uh, but we're going to show everybody this. Uh, no one's speaking in it, but we got we get some glimpses and we get an idea of the atmosphere of the movie. Take a look. Well, I'm already hooked just by watching that. MySonHunter.com. MySonHunter.com. Yes. When can we, can, can you answer this? When can we see this film? Uh, I see you're wrapping up production, but when will it be available to uh, all of us? We have no answers there either, do we? we don't. I, they, I think they'll probably try and, you know, edit it and get it out as whenever, you know. First quarter, hopefully. First quarter, hopefully first quarter yeah. That'd be uh, nice. John James, he a lot of Americans got familiar with him in Dynasty. He is playing Joe Biden. I think we have a picture of him as Joe Biden. And uh, yeah, that looks like uh, that looks pretty good. That looks uh, the attention to detail on this film. You guys, um, I think it looks like you did a great job. Oh he's my fantastic, God. John. He's a fantastic, fantastic actor. He's so wonderful. Yeah, it's he's just a loving lovable person so we, and his we joe us. is um i mean his joe is just fantastic and good we just love him we all love right him. so uh final thoughts uh and again uh, uh gina it's, it's fantastic to see you working on a major film uh, a lot of us don't like the way you were treated um and uh so <laughs> welcome back uh final thoughts uh, if you don't mind gina and uh lawrence yeah. Uh, go to mysonhunter.com and support it, and um, don't show this film to your children. <laughs> <laughs> we uh, it's not that funny. Children. <laughs> All right, thank you very much, Gina. Thank you very much, Lawrence. You just heard the, uh, the one more time. Mysonhunter.com, and uh, well, let us know uh, when it happens. We'll be following it. Take care. We'll be right back.
I'm just a bill. Yes, I'm only a bill, okay? And I'm sitting here on Capitol Hill. Well, I first came to be, thanks to that low IQ AOC. And they talked about me all the time on the fake news on TV. Soon pencil necks like Adam Schiff and fools like Maxine Waters jumped in and shouted Green New Deal instead of open borders. Then senators like Crazy Bernie and Little Crying Chuck watched sadly with their own two eyes as the Green New Deal got stuck. I died right there on the floor of the Senate in front of Mitch McConnell. I came and went faster than a Big Mac, ordered by Rosie O'Donnell. But if I ever make it to Sleepy Joe's desk, he'd sign me without hesitation. Because if there's one thing that Sleepy Joe does well, it's destroy our beautiful nation. Oh, that is a good Trump impression. It's by Sean Farish, and he does a lot more than impressions. He's a brilliant political thinker from Long Island, New York. He is the founder of the Long Island Loud Majority. And uh, Sean, welcome back to Newsmax. How are you? I'm doing great, Greg. Thank you so much for having me back. It's an honor to be back here with you. And uh, yeah. You bet. You bet. And listen, uh, again, in addition to the impressions, which are brilliant, we'll talk about those. You've been so active. Uh, You went to CPAC. Uh, people are really responding to your message. Tell us a little bit about your work at the Long Island uh, Loud Majority. It's really grassroots stuff that is so necessary and important. Yeah, we're, we're encouraging uh, all of our local communities out here to just kind of take a stand together. And uh, what we've done, uh, we had a very big uh, win in Smithtown um, back in the school board elections. We flipped three seats with the help of other groups, uh, local patriot groups. And you're getting candidates elected, by the way. You've been working hard on that school board, local uh, races, but it starts there, doesn't it? It absolutely does. I mean, the, what, you know, you could look at Sleepy Joe, you could look at what he's done with the country, you could look at inflation, um, but the people who have the biggest impact on your life, on your day-to-day life, are your local politicians. And you have to start there, start local, and build from that foundation up to, you know, where we see you know, governors and and presidential races, you know, but it all starts in your backyard. And uh, that's the place where you can make the biggest change right away. And uh, our communities are are responding. They're they're energized. Um, They're ready to keep fighting. They see what we did in Smithtown. They want it to happen in their individual communities, too. We're here to make that happen. Sean Farish graduated from Hofstra University in 2013. He's been in cable uh, sales, uh, paint sales. And I understand now you're working at a marketing firm. But um, I hope all that stuff doesn't get in the way and including your political activism with the Trump impression, which is absolutely brilliant. Can you tell everybody how this came about? Have you always had a gift for mimicking people? Well, I, in, in school, my nickname in one of my radio classes before the, the tragedy was uh, uh, Robin Williams. I did everybody's voice stuff. I've always had a good time doing that. Um, and nothing's getting in the way with it. A lot of people love it, you know. One side or the other side. If you're a liberal, hey, you know, you're pretty funny, even though I don't agree with you. And if you're a conservative, obviously, you know who I am. You know, it's uh, it, everyone's in, in love with it. So every time a scam call comes through at work, it's people run over. Hey, you know, get, do it. It's a scam call. And I'm like, yes, let's go. You know, OK, I want solar panels on the roof, the biggest, most beautiful solar panels the world has ever seen. And it's a fun time. So you know, everybody seems to like it. And as long as people are laughing and hearing the message, uh, I'm happy. <laughs> So are a lot of other people. We can find you on social media. It is great. It is the perfect impression. But um, as great as it is, the work that you're doing on the ground, 
Uh, I don't know, pal. I think the future is uh, very, very big for you. Sean Farish, uh, let's see. I want to make sure we put this up. How do you find uh, Sean? It's Captain. Let's go ahead and put that on the screen again. Captain who? <laughs> Captain Deplorable on TikTok. And then also on Twitter at Sean underscore Farish. It's there. It's a, it's a lot of fun. Come have fun with us. We laugh a lot. And that's the biggest thing. We laugh a lot. We have fun and we get work done. Captain Deplorable. I love it. Sean Farish to be continued. Many, many thanks. Thanks for watching. We'll see you tomorrow. Stand by for Cinchfield.